0: And we're back, everybody. This is Samantha and Zessi.
1: Yeah, with your boy Ramoy Georgeville, the first.
0: And this is masculinity. I got,
1: a, I got a quick uh, deep cut. Look, my man Dwayne Wade. You know my man Dwayne Wade. I mean. Yeah. And he balled his lights out uh, the other night against the 76ers. and then immediately after the game, he was asked why. How did he have such a crazy game? Like old school. Like I'm 22, straight from Vandy. No, he didn't go to Vandy. I don't know where he went to school. Straight up, like, 22. I'm a Marquette. rookie. And I'm a Marquette. That's in Chicago. Uh, baller. And he was like, Kevin Hart. And he said, like, he kept talking trash. Even after his post-game report, he's like, Kevin Hart. The only reason I'm baller is he was talking so much trash. And I'm thinking little Dwayne Wade Jr. and little Kevin Hart Jr. are like, yo, dads, you should be in the WWE. So start some f- in this game and then beef and then take it to Vince McMahon and get in the ring. And they're like,
0: OK. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Like, do you watch basketball? I don't know. Oh, okay. Th- that's our guest. You guys, who we sh- we have not introduced yet, <laughs> but you know, you'll you'll hear him soon. Um, yeah, the the playoffs are on right now, so you know, I haven't really, I really, honestly, haven't been watching as much as I want to. Everybody
1: but boo Samantha on Twitter oh and Facebook because the playoffs have been
0: so good. I know. I've just been. I started I was watching that completely the, wrong at the beginning of the season. Basketball's amazing. Yeah, of course. I don't. I don't know why you would ever think that. Anyway, all right, you guys, let's get to the to the to the bed of the matter.
1: Yeah, and oh, that is uh I think we're talking about compassion today. Hot word that mm-hmm. doesn't get talked about much. Uh mm-hmm. we don't allow ourselves as an American bootstrap masculine community or in society to talk about compassion, but it's a it's a word we really do need to start connecting to masculinity. And today we have Justin Leoy. Correct. Justin mm-hmm. Leoy on the show today who among other things yeah, is, he's trying to connect men to compassion. Um, now, Justin is a counselor here in Brooklyn who works primarily with men. Um, for those who listened to one of our first episodes ever, season one, we had Yuval Moses on from the Crime Victims Treatment Center here in New York, and Yuval had an eye-opening conversation with us about men being survivors, being victims, like surviving trauma of like violent crime, even sexual crime. Uh, now, to bring this all full circle... Yuval was our connector to Justin here. And I think there will be some of the same remnants from that first conversation that you've all here in today's conversation. So thanks, Justin, for joining us on the pod today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great being here
2: after listening to you all both so much, so long. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's my thing, it's my wheelhouse. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> oh, f- when I hear people doing it, I want to be there. So,
0: fair. First off, like, so what had you, I mean, I know we talked a little bit about this, but. Can you just let us know, let those listeners know, how did you start working with men?
2: Sure. my My background was actually I was all set from a kid going into college to be a performer. I was, went to school for music, uh, singing, dancing, lots of places around uh, around the country. And I, I did a lot of Shakespeare in basements in the Lower East Side, and in order nice. to make money, I was teaching something called Music Together, um, which is an early music class for uh, kids from birth through four, five, six, and it was it was all mixed age, which meant that I got to see a lot of family dynamics happening, and was pre- got pretty fascinated with how people responded to things, how kids got parents' attention, how parents tried to, to help out, and where blocks were in that, and and I, I I could intervene only so much. I could put a drum in the middle, and suddenly we can get some families together. But if something was deeper than that, um, we needed something more. So I I got really interested in family therapy and went to school for social work, and then studied a lot of attachment theory and wanted to work with families. And my first job out of there was in child welfare, and which I stayed in for for years, and I continue to work in in some child welfare agencies as well. Um, and the person who often wasn't in the room in, in child welfare was dad. He was considered the perpetrator. He was considered the absent person. Um, so when we would get a dad, uh, I would be really excited, like want to, want to get to know his story, want to, want to work with them. And so as I moved to my private practice, it, it seemed like I want to get these guys in the room more often and talk about what is going on. Um, cause they are. Not the people who often get to talk about their emotions and and their trauma and what is leading them to do the things that people get really upset about or uh, just the expectations that they hold for themselves. Hmm. So that was kind of the move towards that.
0: And so in the beginning, did you have difficulty like getting clients for for that type of work? Like, I mean, my assumption would be yes, but maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe it was like, oh, thank God there's somebody who exists who's there for us to do this. Uh.
2: They're, um, it's, it, yeah, they're, they're not the, p- men are not typically the people running to, like, find the counselor to help me with my diagnosis emotions. or something. <laughs> my emotions help me with bit.
1: my emotions and my pain. Yeah, yeah.
2: I get a number of calls from female partners, sometimes from mothers of adult men, from f- female friends who are, like, my boyfriend, my friend, or this, my son needs, needs this. And so we'll talk a little bit, and I eventually say I, I, he does need to... To want to do this, like that joke about how many therapists it takes to change a light bulb—one, but the therapist, the person has to want to change. The sure. light bulb has to <laughs> Want to change? Um, <laughs> I ruined the joke, but um the so so that sometimes, um, my a client I get a bunch is the guy who just gets the news that his female partner is pregnant. And he's like, I, I, I need to figure out all the emotions that sure. I didn't have access to. And I have, you know, nine months to do it. So yeah. like, let's, let's jump in. So uh, sometimes it's, it's often by way of a female partner saying, this is a thing, go see this person, read this blog post, something like that. And yeah. then they're, they're in. So they're, I mean, they they make their own decision. They are there. We have a talk on the phone before they, they show up in the office, so it is their choice, but it it might not have started out that way. Okay. So the entrance to therapy seems to be sometimes different for men than for women. So it's, it's,
1: it's, it's so funny, but also tragic at the same time. Like, it's the symptom of the issue. I don't need emotional help. Mm. No. Well, that's why you should probably come talk <laughs> to me. Like, I don't need any help. Well, okay, then, yeah, then you definitely need to come talk to me, right? Uh, but look, I'm... I'm part of that crowd. I'm I'm a cisgendered man. I, I and I do co-host this podcast, and I hate when people call me woke. But whatever, maybe I'm woke. <laughs> uh, but I still absolutely have a damn hard time connecting to compassion, especially for myself, or what we're going to call quote unquote self compassion. And that's in part in connected specifically to how I manifest or perform or engage with this thing we keep calling masculinity. You know, Justin. Just humor me here. I, why do we, you know, as a culture of men and masculinity, have a, such a hard time connecting with compassion?
2: Well, compassion can be messy, and compassion isn't black and white, and compassion means there's not necessarily s- certainty. I mean, in, in, a, in a sense, why I think a lot of men struggle with it is you grow up with a sense of you do a thing, you did a thing wrong, you get punished, and then you go hopefully won't do it again and it's it, there's no emotion in that equation there's just th- there, there's thought there's oh, action all yeah. that yeah. now there's no sense of like how come you did the thing what was what what led to that we talk about when a kid is misbehaving okay we, we could you, you know hold the kid accountable for whatever the misbehavior is but like what is the message in that behavior what is he or she or they trying to tell us by acting this way so uh, we have to do things on two prongs and, and it's a lot messier it's harder yeah it's I when I think of compassion I often am talking about guilt and shame and the difference between them and those get put together a lot where guilt I know guilt gets a bad rap and I'm, I'm not I'm not so against guilt I think guilt can be great in many ways it leads to form our conscience in some way shame though is is about the you as the individual Like guilt is this thing you did wasn't a good thing. Don't do it again. And you should feel guilty for that. That's healthy. And that'll help you not do it again. Shame is you're a bad person for doing that thing. And and that's why you did it. Just cause you're a bad person. And that's so when you add compassion into that, you can be like, yeah, I, I I made a mistake or I poor judgment or lots, lots of reasons. I don't want to let anyone off the hook for doing something wrong, but um, it, it, it gives us some space to not just punish you but then to learn what is what's hap- what's happening what led to that
0: sure um great and so i'm i'm wondering actually as you're talking about compassion and kind of th- the separation between guilt and shame and and how compassion fits fits in that I'm, and i'm wondering you know, in terms of, when we talk about self-love, there's a lot of, like, talk about self-care. I don't talk days. about like, self-love. What are you talking about? I know you about? don't talk about self-love. Man. I know you don't talk about self-care. S- well, <laughs> self-care. Ramoy was like, that's a waste of a day if you do a, a, a day of self-care. I was really happy with my day so It hasn't it's happened self-care since. Self-care day You'll know. Anyway, um, so I I, I is there a co- correlation there in terms of, like, men taking the time to care for themselves, taking the time to to really give love to themselves i mean i think that that's something that's very scarce for human beings in general because we do live in a culture of success and if you're not successful then like you should be ashamed or you should feel guilty about the fact mm-hmm. that you're not achieving wh- whether it's you know professionally or personally right that you're not fitting these molds that we kind of uphold as the standard um and so i wonder it's really
1: interesting because it's like really we whether we talk about explicitly not. there's like this implicit nature in our culture especially american culture to like promote self-shame like to hate yourself for not meeting some standard or benchmark right yeah but to never talk about or give yourself self-love that's a that's extravagant that's a that's not for you anyway sir
0: that is 100 percent right yeah yeah, I mean,
1: even
2: the 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 term self love, like it. I mean, you, you, we all automatically laughed <laughs> when it was said. It brings up like jokes joke. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would. I think they'd probably be more extensions of themselves. I, I love that compassion, like literally means to suffer with. And it comes up a lot when I'm talking with um, <laughs> with partners. I made a face, which is why he's yeah. laughing. <laughs> comes up a lot with partners, especially male partners. who I, I work with a number of men who are struggling with um, that they're, with their female partner struggling with getting pregnant. And so their wife or their girlfriend is, is, is going through physical issues, mental issues, emotional issues, all this stuff, fear, hope, worry. Um, pain and the guy comes to me and he's he's he feels many of those things but he doesn't want to burden her with that so he's mm. going to um he's not going to show any of that so and he thinks he's you know protecting and all that stuff while she often reads it as he doesn't care he clearly isn't invested in this and and i'm the one burdening it all whereas if they could just kind of suffer together i don't want anyone to suffer but if they could do it together they it would be so different so just to connect that with self-love. Self-love doesn't necessarily mean with, with someone else. It doesn't have to be connected with some horrible thing or suffering that's going on. It can be focused on just, I need some time to reboot. I need to do something to take care of me and to focus on me in a positive way. Um, language can really do this with masculinity. I don't know if we talk enough about that. <sighs> but like self-love it might not be the word I'd use on my website to get men to like start doing something sure. for themselves but um, should brainstorm some yeah. of these
0: days what words you would use we we
2: could like there that. was there was a great study done in January in the UK so it might be a little different with the wording but like mm. what men respond to and what they don't in terms of that. mental health yeah. mental health is a word they don't respond to <laughs> okay good to know actually stress I just started over working on yeah, yeah. place some um,
0: anyway uh so so you have 3 foci, um which are angry men uh, unassertive dudes or guys, and um, and um, and dads, right? Wait, no, is it? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah and dads. Yeah. Okay, so new, I usually new dads, unassertive new men, and angry guys. New dads, yeah. that's
0: right. Okay, so how does this like work of self compassion and self love felt like work when you're dealing with like angry guys? Mm. Well,
2: I I like to say that I absolutely believe in anger as a pure emotion. But very often for the guys I'm working with it's also what we call a secondary emotion. Where it's the one emotion, maybe happiness too, but the one emotion that men are really allowed and I'm making air quotes in that, allowed to have in our society. Um, which means that it plays the the role of then holding all of the other emotions that you don't get to have. So, yeah, it looks really angry. But that doesn't mean that he's not feeling Scared to death, feeling um, sad, feeling ashamed, feeling guilty, feeling embarrassed—all the other things that is going to come out in that way. So the compassion work with that is just kind of—you know—you can get angry here. That's fine, but like, what what else might be going on? What else is under that that you are using the anger to cover up? That might be the fire, but what is the, what was the build-up
1: to it? Yeah. Like I think that's interesting because that's that's so true for me because so often not I, res- I resort to just being angry and frustrated and like it could be like I got you know I got a rejection letter from some publication for publication whatever I got hurt by a partner or a friend somebody said something that hurt my feelings it manifests in pure anger and I want to hit something and I'm so angry but it's it's just a fueling any other potential for emotion or feeling into anger channeling that strictly into anger and not allowing myself to feel anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of men. We it's a it's a running joke that men don't cry, but it's also a reality that we've created for ourselves as a structure, as a codified structure, that men don't cry. Men don't access this other emotion, and therefore it gets channeled into what we know as anger.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have heard of therapists working with men who have a uh, what's that called? And uh, boxing a uh, shadow box. Sh- you know. uh, thing in your office where you hit oh, oh, a bag. punching bag, <laughs> bag. thank <laughs> you everyone um punching bag that you know you get all that anger out and then tears often come at the end of that after doing oh. that as long as you can so it's moving through that anger to get to what's underneath it wow and that's one of the things we <laughs> not that tv often gets any of the therapy stuff right but <laughs> <Occasionally>. <laughs> often you see the angry guy who then starts crying at sure. the end and that that does happen Yes.
0: Is it, it's so interesting that you were like the thing in your office. I'm like, who has punching bags <laughs> in their office? <laughs> I guess. I, d- I, tears, don't, I don't at know. the moment,
1: but, but I, I, I do an the I get a punching bag. In there. Wow. Uh, well, speaking of like punching, uh, you know, there's this definite ma- manifestation in masculinity where masculine equals hero. And we've talked about this ad nauseum about like TV shows and movies kind of promoting this, this trope and this tradition, Um and heroes always have to be, like, saving someone else. The hero would go as far to, like, sacrifice themselves in order to save someone else, be that hero. Um, but you do a lot of counseling with men in regards to being fathers. So when you're with a client, how do you kind of take apart that initial heroic, like, sacrificial masculinity that tradition in order to rebuild a masculinity that has the f- the, the foresight to... Understand that as a father, you have to invest in your own emotional stability, um, that you have to give yourself love and compassion first in order to be the best hero for your kid, your family, your partner. Like the old tradition says, you just sacrifice everything for your kid and your partner, and that's it, yourself included. But how, did that, how do you shift the paradigm where it says, focus on yourself more or just as much as your family and your mm. circuit?
2: Well part of it is you know, they're in the room with me so there's something that isn't working and th- they've often admitted that at least. So the idea is we're, we're then taking that apart. And and one of the things we're thinking of with parents is y- you, could, you could teach whatever you want. You could say whatever you want but your kids are learning the most from watching you, from how you're modeling. So are you modeling this person who is the hero who does, who sacrifices everything for everyone else? Well you're kids your sons as well as maybe your daughters are going to grow up and think that is what an adult does and that's what I'm going to do so do you want your kids to do that when they grow up and and, and maybe you do but if you, if you don't because you know that it's killing you and that you're now sitting in a therapist's office because you're trying to figure out like why you're having this weird physical thing that the doctors can't figure out or why you're so angry all the time you don't have to pass on that legacy and the way to do that is by modeling the compassion, by modeling sadness, by modeling anger. Like, I know a lot of parents who I, I'm gonna get, don't get angry in front of my kids. I won't cry in front of my kids. We won't, we won't fight in front of the kids. Okay, well, then how are your kids going to learn how to be sad? How are sure. your kids going to learn how to get angry in a healthy way? How are they going to learn how to have a healthy fight with the person they love? Like, yeah, I mean, there are times you have the kids go out of the room. I'm not saying yeah. <laughs> no boundaries at For all. Sure, but like, you but, like, can, yeah. you'll, it'll
1: teach a kid how to, like, harbor, or not harbor, but, like, again diminish certain feelings and then privately let them manifest or exacerbate into something else that is way more problematic than initially and I think this modeling thing of what is healthy is very key cuz I didn't have that growing up and mm-hmm. I feel in the moment thinking like shit <laughs> a lot of the things came not from not say what my mom or my grandparents or family taught me but what I saw them how they enacted certain things and I it's the same exact thing I'm doing in my life currently yeah.
2: And the thing is, you, you take it on as something's wrong with you as a kid. So if you're 15 and something happens to a friend or a relationship and you're, you, you want to cry and you've gone 15 years with seeing your dad never cry, your impulse to cry is like, something's wrong with me. I need to hide this thing from everyone else, especially dad, but like I cannot show this. And then it just, it just reinforces it. And that comes out somewhere else and often in anger or, or self-harm or something else because you, these things are just so unacceptable because I can't show them. And then we're back in the shame wheelhouse again. Real
1: quick, can you give us examples? Like, what is self harm?
2: Self harm. I mean, self harm could be literally suicide. It could be um, cutting oneself. Um, it could also be
1: just. Could it be as like something as as like too much drinking, too much smoking, too mm-hmm. much eating? Like, it, I I just wonder. Like, yes, they're not. I'm not trying to diminish those, the suicides and stuff in the extremes. But self harm can be so like normalized that we don't even see it it could be something that is so problematic and but a tradition that we've made normal that men partake in as you know as their outlet for their frustrations Mm -hmm. or their pain or from their wives or so on and so forth if
2: you're doing anything to regularly anesthetize i'm not gonna say the word right (laughs) anesthesia anesthetize yourself (gasps) through binge watching some tv show through drinking through getting wasted through drug use anything that is trying to push away those unacceptable shaming feelings that I would call that a form of self-harm absolutely
0: what about okay this might be a little bit far out there but what about emotional self-harm Same. is more. that a thing sure. so like I'm thinking like so I'd be mess up a lot right and I feel like that's something that I've just always done like the guilt the shame the whatever and I think you know, I used to think that I was like the only person that did this, but apparently everybody else doesn't too. So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I just wonder, like, you know, when we're thinking about, I guess, kind of the things that we tell ourselves about who we are and what we do? Like, do you deal with that as well? Well, the um,
2: the beating oneself up comes up a lot. That goes back to the punishment versus the compassion. But like, mm-hmm. y- you can beat yourself up and maybe because that's how you were raised w- when something happens, you get punished, you beat yourself up, you get beat up or you get punished in some way. And then you're absolved from the sins and now you're now you're okay again Your until it thing. happens again. Mm-hmm. Or you can be like... Yeah, yeah. You could spend the energy beating up on yourself, or you could spend the energy like thinking about like, yeah, it's it's. I like the analogy. Um, um, it's not mine, and I can't remember who it is, but of like a like a crying baby. When you have a baby that is screaming and crying and all this stuff, you don't you don't punish it you 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 hold it, you mm-hmm. comfort it mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. why don't we do that same thing for ourselves and that might not sit well in a masculine world, but like why not like treat yourself the way you would even the most the, the, the most macho guy would treat his 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 little you know three week old baby you would mm-hmm. hold hold her, hold her, hold him, hold them and and take care of them and comfort them. Hmm. Why don't we do that to ourselves? What do we get from the beating ourselves up? There's something we're getting yep. from. There's a secondary gain of some kind.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And so, you know, kind of to segue into the things that m- men might beat themselves for, right? There are like these unspeakable standards that, you know, mm-hmm. that that men feel the need to uphold, um, specifically having to do with heroism. I think we talked a lot about like the representations of heroes on TV and basically what we think of as a society is a hero. And like, you're talking about like modeling behaviors for your kids. And so I'm wondering like, what does it look like when you actually have somebody in front of you who is, you know, a new father or an unassertive guy, you know, to be dealing with that. And like, like what, like what do they say? Like what, um, I guess, do well, first of all, have you come across that people are having like a hero thing that they come and talk to you about?
2: I am it, it's not like a presenting problem, someone comes and says, I have a hero right. complex <laughs> to get through it. But people will talk about uh you know, early on what they're doing and how they're handling something and and I might just ask them like how come you're how come you're taking all that on? Why yeah. are you doing all that? And they'll say, Well that's that's what a father does, that's what a man does, that's what a husband does, or, or that's that's what men
1: do. And I think that's like when we say hero, it's really easy to see that, like, Superman putting on his cape, right? That That's kind of like a joke. But that is exactly what we're talking about. That's yeah. what a man does. Yep. A man takes the whole load. A mm-hmm. father does this. Like, a father provides. Like, a man has to do all the work. That's what we're talking about. Like, that's the literal manifestation that we see in everyday life. Mm-hmm. And those expectations are severely problematic. Not for just the society as a whole. Not for your partner. Not just for everybody else on the planet, but for yourself, especially. Yeah. The weight of that, the pressure of that.
2: And I, I will deal with that by, by asking where that, where they got that identity. You know, where did they begin to learn that that is what a man does? And they might say, it's just, you know, it's society. Justin, you're being stupid. Like, where, (laughs) where did you, where did you particularly learn that? Sure. At what point you got a message somewhere. Maybe it was pop culture, or maybe it was something more close to home. And, is that working for you? And so once, once it doesn't become the thing that like has to be, and we could all find examples of it not being that way, then we, we open up some options for you. Maybe there are places where you need to be the hero and the protector, and that's awesome, and, and there are places where you're not. Something that, that will sometimes come up in, in working with men is the idea of dependence because uh, you have lots of people who are dependent on you yeah. what would it feel like for you to be dependent on someone for you to really want someone to take care of you like what is Oof. what does that feel like
0: i love it
1: what is the response or
0: pushback yeah, oh there, there's
2: pushback
1: said. right away i mean the first time it's brought up that just makes like, me like i'm literally feeling God. uncomfortable like if you were to ask me that like i'm feeling that right now i'd be no. like f you man <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to depend and here's the anyone. anger comes yeah up. <laughs> exactly sure I'm yeah,
2: well, there's some strong defenses against that because we're taught we, we, we can't, we shouldn't. Damn. We need to be totally independent as much as possible and not depend on someone else that puts us at risk. It makes me f- damn vulnerable, and oh. I don't want to be vulnerable to you or anybody else. And it could also lead to pretty amazing relationships with friends, Great. with partners, <laughs> with our kids, with our parents yeah, at some point.
0: Uh, so, you know, we've been seeing in the news recently a lot of violence that erupts out of masculinity targeted of women. Or ex-partners, lovers, crushes, and there's this is expectation of the masculine to be violent. So you do a lot of work with men with regards to relationship. So how do we rewrite masculinity to where the default response isn't um, the default default response to emotional pain isn't a violent reaction,
1: or isn't even just like a physical like manifestation of that? Yeah,
0: I want to add to that also that because violence is not just physical like financial violence like control of your partner control or whoever it is like i just wanted to include that in the violence that we're talking about
2: yeah there's there there's there's no easy answer to that there's especially i mean again if something has become violent in any of those ways and power and control being used in 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 such a way that is really detrimental especially with a with a partner i mean again as much as i want to Bring in the empathy and compassion i I also want to say no, like that is not okay what is being done, and you need to know that and the problem is that you don't feel any guilt about that you you are sitting in the idea that this is this is how a family is run this is how a partnership goes so I mean we have to there are some specific things that we we do need to say no to um, maybe even before we go into like But I hear that there is some emotional pain. Maybe I'm not going to use those two words. There's something that is leading you to feel I need to control or I need to get what I want here and that that is more important than who that other person is, even though I'm saying I I may love them in some way. Um, I, I mean, I go back to the anger being the secondary emotion and figuring out what is so wrong with you sitting with Um, feeling really sad, feeling rejected, feeling even humiliated, feeling really scared. Like what if you just felt that and then learn that it doesn't like, it it doesn't, it, it it isn't going to be you forever. You're not going to get stuck in that. But if you spending all this time fighting against feeling that way, you are not going to have good relationships. You're not going to have good, good interactions with people in a deep way so it's it's the short answer is it's a it's a long haul when someone is is is
1: really so far that they're they're doing that in such an extreme way. I don't know if this is particularly masculinity, but f- let's just humor me here like do a lot of men bring rightness in like rightness and righteousness into into the room in the sense like here's what I'm asking I would as Personally, like I, I think I'm right a hundred percent of the times, and when I'm,
0: that's true. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well
1: played. Uh, when anybody comes contrary to that or challenges me, I get very frustrated or very hurt. But it manifests as frustration, and anger, and it, it boils down to men are right, or I'm right, or masculinity is right, and doesn't have the space to deal with wrong or the feminine or any other ideas to challenge that or to even support that in a, in a different fashion. And I'm just wondering as maybe not necessarily new fathers but potentially people who have been fathers or are fathers or men who are coming in with these old traditions of men are right and dealing with that kind of problematic approach in masculinity. Mm. There's a there's a couples therapist who I think coined the phrase you can either
2: be right or be in a relationship. Sure. Mm. and. It is what well, there there is a a nice sense you get from being right, especially if you are. That
1: validation, sure, it's yeah,
2: nice. um, ego, individuality, all, all kinds of of things. But um, it, is is that the most important thing? Is that the most important thing in that moment? Is is being right um, with your kids, with your partner, with anyone really, with a subordinate at work, or whoever you're you're with, friendships. Um, so the, the question is how to deal with the Defense when it comes up about yeah, like that to, to help that?
1: men see that that is men specifically because I think I would assume that it's a a, a large association to masculinity is like mm-hmm. I am a man I am right I am I'm the one that you come to for answers especially in like a, in a parental situation or in a in a relationship circuitry like and whatever I say at the end of the day is gospel right mm-hmm. and how do you challenge men or not say challenge them but break help men break that down and kind of form a more healthy approach mm-hmm. to. Openness and camaraderie and not resting on the fact that you also have to be right, so all uh the responsibility of said relationship or decisions are on your back right right I'm sorry, yeah. stop saying that.
2: i w- I would ask what what would happen if you were wrong what what would that what would that be like for you if if you were to say you don't know to your kids to your boss to whoever like what would what feeling comes up as i as I say that, as you imagine your, yeah, vul- your instability wrongs. and a
1: vulnerability I don't like. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, we would go further with that and just feeling what that is because there's also going to be some freedom in that to not have to know, to not have to be right all the time takes a huge weight off one's shoulders. Sure. Um, but then what is that going to do to your relationships? What is that going to do to how you see yourself? Are you going to be okay with that? And if you sit and experiment with the idea of not being right, of not having the answers, I, there's kind of a n- natural consequence to it, realizing, wow, like they they didn't leave me. Right. <laughs> she didn't leave me. I didn't get fired. They weren't disappointed There's actually me. some more respect some people might have that I'm willing to like sit and not know anything. I mean, people come to therapy all the time and they expect me to know the answer all the time. And I disappoint people <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> Say, well, let's look at it together. <laughs> sure.
0: I have a quick question, which may or may not stick here. But I wonder if you ever experience like a notion of entitlement when you're dealing with men and how you deal with that.
2: I thought you were going to be my entitlement. I was like, oh, <laughs> so I certainly feel that <laughs> and I have to deal with, sit with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'll come out in in lots of different ways. It's usually a. I mean as a as a counselor I'm I'm privileged because I get to to be in the moment with the person but also be removed and be the person who's supposed to analyze these things. So the idea of like uh, th- especially if it's not present all the time if, if an entitlement comes up, it's usually an indication that there's some insecurity, that there's some other thing that we're not talking about hmm. that maybe we need to get under. Huh. And okay.
0: Got it. So let's just talk quickly about the. There could be two types of listeners out there. Right. We're, we know we don't like binaries, but actually we're just going to do this. Um, so <laughs> listener. Hey, <A, It's> humorous <laughs> for a second. Okay? <laughs> we're hypocrites like everyone else. Everybody's fucking. Hypocrite. I just uh, thought about that. I was like, oh, um, so listener A is a friend, <laughs> um, the partner, of a family member of a man who did like to get emotional help. Okay, how would you advise them to go about starting that conversation? And secondly, then you've got listener B, who is the man who is looking to find more emotional um, support and uh, and counseling, um, and what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, okay. So for the for the A group, we talked a little bit before, and I would also include in that um, therapists who specialize in working with. Uh, with women or maternal mental health and I'll get calls from them being like, I hear about this guy all the time and she can't get him in. I can't get him in to to come either to them or to come to his own therapy. Um, The language is important. I I actually usually don't use words like therapy or mental health. I'll talk about counseling, getting some support, finding someone else to talk to about this. And then even asking some questions like who else do you, do you talk to? Um, do you do you talk to anyone about this stuff and if it is someone in the family or a friend like it's this is a lot for me to hold all the time i can't do and this is probably not the best word to use but we more and more talking about the women holding doing a lot of the emotional labor for their male partners um I, i i can't do that any longer um and for me or for the kids we need you to like to talk to someone not because you have a mental illness not because there's something we're going to die someone's going to diagnose you with but just to to get it to get a sense is to get some new coping skills to manage stress in ways when I, and when i'm talking to people on the phone men about possibly coming in they're like oh, how do you work and all this stuff i mean it's i'll talk very simply i don't go all emotional on the <laughs> on the phone as much as we're talking about there's there's patterns that you've been using to deal with stuff and you're telling me now that they're not working and we will look at those patterns, we'll challenge the ones that aren't working, we'll keep the ones that do and and we're gonna go on that journey. We'll figure that out together. Um one of the wonderful things about the internet, because there's a lot of things that aren't wonderful about <laughs> it, is that therapists more and more are right have these huge websites with blog posts so you can like spend a lot of time getting to know Justin has plenty of uh, good ones uh, thank you getting to know a therapist to know how they work and whether you would jive with him or her or them and then you can decide that I mean don't take five years exploring because that's one (laughs) way (laughs) of putting it off but like take some time to read all that to be like okay I think I want to know this person and tell the therapist on the phone like I'm this is new to me I'm really uncomfortable are you going to make me cry like ask all the questions that your your might be concerns and if if they can't handle those questions then don't go to that person but if someone can and you'll
1: get a chance to sit with them and learn more awesome i feel like i was just in the chair <laughs> i started out very uncomfortable there were some very tense moments i got a little like my fists were clenching and i wanted to punch something but now i feel so much more relieved and emotionally healthy and i've access to tools and language and like I have this now in my, in my in my in my bank of like thoughts and ideas. I can process a lot of stuff. So thank you, Justin. This has been incredible, and <laughs> I'm a, not bullshitting, man. I appreciate hearing the feedback. Oh, this is fantastic. Um, so we t- you quickly uh, self-plugged, famously self-promoted without even meaning to. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take it to the next level. Your blog posts and you have eBooks and you have your website that has so many incredible information and is really a wealth of resources for potential. You know men who are looking for counseling, but also for men who are going through counseling or just doing self-help themselves. So where can they find that at? Any more information or anything else you want to plug?
2: Sure. I mean, my website is parkslopetherapist.com, and I, I see I didn't even get to talk about this and how it can be helpful for some men, but I see a lot of men online as well through something. It's not Skype, but it's like Skype, but it's gotcha. compliant. And um, so people some people want the that little more of a distance sure. but it's still I mean the research is showing us more and more it's just as effective but um, that's all up there on the on the website
1: so parkslopetherapist.com yes cool
0: beautiful I mean this has been really wonderful thank you so much for coming thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge I feel I mean I'm not a dude but I feel like I got a lot of, of what you said as well for myself and for the people in my life so um, I hope that you listeners out there, did too. Send us some questions. Like, if you have any questions for Justin, if you have any questions for us about this com- about this conversation, if you have any comments, uh, our social media, uh, Facebook is going to be at Masculinity Pod. That's with a K and Masculinity Podcast on um, Twitter. Uh, that's reverse. Masculinity Pod on Twitter and Masculinity Podcast on Facebook. And of course masculinity podcast at whoistheo.com is our email. So thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Samantha Zessi.
1: My name is Ramore George Phil. Be first.
0: And this is Masculinity. Ciao.
1: Peace.